Welcome to 74 Escapes new podcast series Breaking Bread with Vera Lulu. I'm Vera and I will take you on a gastronomic journey to explore food as an expression of cultural identity. I'll be hosting chefs and industry professionals from all over the world to discuss everything about this art form that really nourishes our souls. Let's start. Having had the pleasure to work with Chef Pascal Osignac was one of the greatest experiences of my career. Today, I am so honored to be speaking with Chef Pascal. Pascal is one of the most innovative and dynamic chefs in London. He proclaimed his desire to be a chef at the age of nine years old. His gastronomic pursuits led him to study under Gerard B. and Alain de Tournier. Born in Toulouse and raised in La Rochelle, he developed an appreciation for his native French cuisine. He counts among his many accomplishments Michelin star Club Gascon, which has held its star for the last 20 years. Pascal is corner of the Gascon Connection Group, which boasts an impressive roster, including Lobar, Comptoir Gascon, and Chigalon, among many others. At every turn of his accomplished career, Pascal, who takes the rich, bold, and flavorful specialties of Gascony, foie gras, blood sausage, prunes, armagnac, and reimagines country cooking into dishes that are interesting and exquisite. And today, I'm so honored to welcome my friend, Chef Pascal, to this edition of Breaking Bread. Chef, how are you today? Hello, Vera. Welcome to London. I'm very well, very well. Thank you. Pascal, you were first inspired by your mother. Tell me what it was like growing up in La Rochelle. Wow. Okay, so back to long time ago. <laughs> um, actually, I should have been African. So that's for the little story, because my parents used to live in, uh, in Mali, in Bamako. Um, and when my mom was pregnant, uh, at one point she became sick because of the uh, weather and uh, the, uh, the area. So they decided to move back to France, to the family area, to the grandparents. So I was born in Toulouse, but after my dad has been transferred for his job to La Rochelle, so that's why we moved very, at very early stage. I was three months old when I moved to La Rochelle. So I'm, I'm Gascon by my name, uh, by my family. Actually, Osignac means, the Niac means the land of Gascony or this area of Southwest. It's the Ac, uh, make it very specific to the area. And I moved to La Rochelle. So I grew up in La Rochelle. After, after a certain time, my parents divorced. And uh, my mom was in charge. And actually, because she was working during the week, um, on Sunday was the only moment for her to be able to manage the weekly mise en place for uh, her lifestyle and uh, also taking care of myself. So she, from five, five years old, uh, I was helping. I was assist, kitchen assistant at home and I loved it. And I really enjoyed to spend this time with, uh, to put my hands inside the, uh, the, the, the product and to see the evolution transformation. So actually, um, I quite understood that I was more made for, as a job for the future, uh, working with um, actively as the artisan way or not really with the, my, my brain or the maths, you know? But you need your brain, obviously, but um, it was more the active, active side you know, of myself. And, um, and I was, when I was going to school at one point, uh, La Rochelle is a small city and everybody knows each other. And um, there was on the way to school, the uh, most beautiful jewelry shop where my, uh, the owner was a friend of my mom and my parents. And actually I was doing a little hello time to time. 
And when I used to enter in this uh, jewelry, I was like um, blown away by the beauty of uh, the stones, the, uh, the cut, the safety the box, the ambiance, you know, this, this kind of uh, uh, ultra luxe uh, secrets things. And um, I found, well, I found, the woman in charge gave me the name of uh, what I wanted to do, to achieve for, as a job. And it was a stone cutter. So I came back at home very proudly and I say, I know what I want to do. I was eight years old. Huh? Uh, I want to become a stone cutter. And um, they look at me with a bit of a strange way, a bit of a weirdo. <laughs> and they say, after reflection, it's not going to happen because there are no school, there, was no, there is no family tradition in this country. Oh, no, no, they crossed your so, dream. <laughs> so by default, I say, okay, doesn't matter, I will become a chef in that case. So from nine years old, I knew that I wanted to become a chef. And uh, the good thing is La Rochelle is a very touristic city. You have a lot of restaurants. And um, we, I used to go you know, during the holiday time to help to see the ambiance of a kitchen lifestyle. And actually, I, you know, that made a, a confidence for my family to say, okay, it's, it's made for it. So we are going, it's going to do a cooking school. So I moved to Bordeaux when I was 14 years old. Um, to uh, cook to the Lycée Atelier from Bordeaux, which is a very uh, big one. And, um, and I had my exams. And when I was just 17 years old, just on my birthday, I had the exam because I was born in June. So. And, uh, and I had the uh, opportunity to work at, uh, near, Vers near, Bord near Paris, sorry, in Versailles, to uh, a very famous restaurant at that time called Les Trois Marches, the Three Steps, uh, in front of the... Uh, Chateau de Versailles, Castro of Versailles. And um, the chef there was Gérard Vier, a two Michelin star chef. And I was uh, normally doing just a two months uh, stage there because I was going back to school. And during the summer, Gérard told my family that um, if, you, if I wanted, I could stay uh, to work properly as a commie and to learn the job you know, in, in this uh, configuration. And uh, obviously I said yes, we say yes. And from 17 years old onwards, I uh, started my job. So I was quite lucky because I never lost any time. And uh, from, the, from, just from the school, I was already in a, in a very good condition to understand more about the, uh, the, the grand cuisine, you know. Mm -hmm. And after I moved to different places, more in Paris. So all my training has been made in Paris with uh, Alain Dutournier from the Carré de Feuillon, Guy Savoie, Jacques Le Divelec, uh, Jacques Cagnard, so, and, and others. And, um, and when I was 25 years old, I wanted to, become, to have my restaurant. Uh, you were ready. But I didn't <laughs> have it. Yeah, already I wanted it. Uh, and I was very sad and frustrated to don't get it at that early stage, you know, and I, I think I was quite ambitious, but um, the... Um, I think it still are. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I still are, but uh, imagine I look young, but when I was 25, I looked very, very young, so nobody baby was... Baby face. Me. Baby face, yes. Nobody <laughs> was trusting me, and especially the bank, when I wanted to set up a restaurant in Paris, uh, when I, with the budget and, uh, you know, some kind of uh, documents and I was looking at the, uh, you know, the banks, they say, I, I, I saw maybe different, maybe 30 banks in Paris. Uh, that was the age of 28. Because in the meantime, I wanted to uh, get some 
I stopped the year out cuisine and I worked with a, a catering company called mm -hmm. Yes Reception. And the woman in charge was a very creative woman uh, called Yafa Ederi. And she, she was a game changer of the uh, catering industry, you know, all the, uh, all the fashion in Paris, all the events. Um, she, she changed the, uh, the entire uh, philosophy of this kind of uh, boucher canapé snacks for the hot party in Paris. And I was in charge of uh, not only me, but I was part of it and also dedicated to the private event. And I learned a lot because you know, the, this, this job is, um, as a chef, you need to be very creative and, and, and also very versatile in, your, in, in the job because you need to be n not just a chef. You need to understand the service point of view. You need to understand that uh, uh, a kitchen, if, if it's not a proper kitchen, even if it's uh, at the back of a garden, you need to organize something quite nice. You need, to be, you need to adjust, adapt to, every situation. to different situations. You know, you have yeah. a burner, it doesn't work, okay, find a solution, you know, and I think the catering industry give you this kind of uh, learning process of, uh, of urgency because it's a one night, one day, one event, and you can't miss it. And there are so many different mistakes or, or problems coming around because it's, you need to join all forces in one go. It's completely opposite to the restaurant scene because in the restaurant, customer comes to you, but normally everything is organized around. But when you do, when you create an event, it's for one-off and, and you need to bring everything to the customer. No matter where, if it's a wedding, if it's a private dinner, if it's, okay, so as you know, because you do private dinner, so you know exactly what I mean. So exactly. this is something which I learned for during three years and that gave me also some free time to organize the possibility to open a restaurant in Paris. Unfortunately, the, the banks uh, were quite, uh, called to me because I was, uh, as I said, quite, 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 quite young and, uh, and they wanted warranties. And I said, no, uh, you bet on me, but you, I don't have any uh, warranty from the family whatsoever. So actually I was quite frustrated. And uh, this, this is one of the reasons why I moved to London. Oh, not, uh, not London for London. I moved abroad to set up something, to create something, to have a, a chance to do something else. Wow. Very interesting. So now you're a Frenchman living in London. <laughs> indeed, indeed. It's uh, over two decades. But uh, the story of uh, moving to London was also the fact that I met uh, a Frenchman from a, from a, from a family which uh, we were in trust together. And uh, he was just divorced. And uh, we, he, he was not, um, so his name is Vincent Laberry. And Vincent. he was mm -hmm. not uh, in the restaurant industry. But... Um, yeah, he had a kind of uh, maths and organization for, for, for so creating something as a, as a restaurator. And, and he said I had more the as well. Yes, yes. And, mm -hmm, and we decided is. to join forces and we set up a virtual restaurant in Europe uh, because, talking about Gascony, because I'm from Toulouse and Vincent is from Dax, so both are from Gascony. So we wanted to defend a story of Gascony somewhere in Europe. And at that time, back in 1996, when we started to set up the, the idea, um, we did a good and a bad for, for different you know, cities of, the, of Europe. And actually London won because of the competition, because of the internet booming, because it was no crisis at that time. It was like a, London was so big and uh, a very few restaurants dedicated to this kind of cuisine, you know? So and that's why we, moved, we set up existing. a place mm -hmm. 
uh, it took a year to find the place. So it was not so easy. And you know, especially when you are a foreigner, uh, we never work for anyone in UK. So we, we came in this country to set up a restaurant. Directly. Directly, you know. So again, nobody is trusting you. Nobody is waiting for you. So you need to convince people, convince banks. But the difference between the two countries is that the banks in UK were much more relaxed and, and enthusiastic than the French mm -hmm. one. And that's why we managed uh, to, to, to set up uh, the first restaurant, which we opened in 1998, called Club Gascon. And in the name of Club Gascon, you've got everything, because the club is a selection, and Gascon yes. is the part of France, it's the southwest of France, between Bordeaux, Toulouse, and Biarritz. So a Club Gascon, it's a selection of Gasconi. That's in the name, you've got everything of the DNA of the restaurant. Yes, and you, but you spend time traveling uh, up before Paris to after Paris as well because you travel the world, correct? Yeah, yeah, I traveled a little because I did the army and I also, also I, was, uh, I spent six months in uh, Tahiti on a, on a sailing ship, uh, which was a fantastic time. Um, I worked in, uh, in Florida where I have part of my family li living in Fort Lauderdale, so I was on a pastry section quite difficult, challenging to organizing, to, uh, to create some uh, pastry with a different type of butter, flour, air conditioning for the tropical uh, area. So very, very challenging. Um, I work in Lebanon uh, and also in Saint-Tropez and Grimaud. I, I, I was in charge of a restaurant. I created I re I create a restaurant in uh, Grimaud in front of Saint-Tropez, but not with my money. It was a big company for two seasons just before moving uh, to, uh, to London. And uh, what else? Uh, Saint Bartholomew as well. So yeah, I did uh, different things. Yeah, it was good. It was very interesting. Now I'm stuck to London mostly, but I travel with the um, Taste of London. You know the food festival, uh, which mm -hmm. I'm part uh, since 14 years, since day one at in London. Now they spread uh, the festival all over the world. Not maybe in the States because you've got different uh, uh, festival name kind of taste as well, but it's not the same organization. And, um, and actually, I, I am one of the ambassadors. So I, I do things in different parts of the world, which I very, so I'm traveling with them as well. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, our favorite Club Gascon. So what is the concept? And tell me about the um, small plate and how you organize the menu yeah. in the restaurant. So <clears throat> Club Gascon, uh, at the beginning, um, we wanted to do something which was quite different than what was the normal format of a French restaurant, a French offer. So, talking back to Gascony, the southwest, the cuisine is very rich uh, because we are talking about confit, cassoulet, foie gras. So, if you go, if you travel to southwest, uh, when you have a, to a bistro or any type of cuisine or restaurant there locally, you will have um, uh, a big, uh, you know, the main course will be. A massive main course and actually you need a nap okay but where we are we are in central london and we are we are surrounded <laughs> uh with the city of london which we need to have people which are working around so you can't they can't sleep in that no time for the answer. <laughs> so that's the first thing the first thinking second thinking Gascony is very linked to Spain area, to the Spain border, to, to the Basque area with San Sebastian, Bilbao. And you know, on that part, you've got the pinchos, you've got the tapas. So actually, um, that was the second thinking. 
or logic. And the third one was the fact that when I look at my mom going to a restaurant, she was always ordering, preferring ordering two starters in general, in France, I'm saying, and not, not uh, uh, because for her, a main course was too big. I so, was the same. <laughs> so actually, thinking of all of it, additional, we have organized Club Gascon, not anymore by a start main dessert like it's the French ordinance, you know, of French cuisine or French restaurant, but much more with a small plate. And, um, and that was not a concept because, you know, we need to be careful with the word of concept because a lot of people are pretending doing concept, but they are just re-managing re things. And I think Club Gascon hasn't, hasn't created something. It's not, we just readapt the situation that other type of cuisine, like the Spanish cuisine or the Medze, uh, the Middle East way of eating, which was small, small plate in the middle of the table to share, or to enjoy by yourself, but to, to have more flexibility. So the idea was to do French cuisine dedicated to the Gascon flavor, but on chapter of dishes by series. So actually to make a meal, you could have up to four to, four to five plates. So the menu was, the, 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 the organization was by series of plates, you no? Know? And uh, we started this and we were the first one in the in UK. Uh, or even in the world in terms of French restaurants to make this class at that time. Genius. And actually, um, we had, uh, it has been a storm because, you know, coming from nowhere, being in an area which, uh, you know this area, but 20, back 20 years ago, Smithfield Market, Nobody where did. we are, the meat market was dead. It was like the city limit. Now the city limit is Stratford with the uh, ex-Olympic game, but... Uh, at that time, you had no light on the street, no pavement. Uh, so it was very, very edgy. And to do a French restaurant with an emphasis on foie gras, uh, with a small, small portion, it was just weird, you know. Uh, even the bank told us, don't open at night, you will have no one. <laughs> ah, we say, we need to reimburse <laughs> the bank, you know. So the first night, we had like 30 covers. And uh, three weeks later, we had 600 over. 600 calls per day and we were you know we we became like a game changer in the restaurant world in the restaurant industry in london i will say on the london mm -hmm. restaurant scene and uh, and we were not prepared for such a, a, a success like this people we opened in october it was a cold a winter people were queuing outside to get a table back at that time you know, you could smoke in a restaurant, you, you, people were drinking at lunchtime, you had Armagnac at the end, you know, so it was a different way of uh, lifestyle. It's an ambiance. <laughs> so it was just uh, mad. Uh, the first month I lost 10 kilo because no one trusted it, trusted us. And uh, I had to go to the different market. You know, I was even sleeping on the banquet of the there restaurant. There was a lot of pressure. I had no time to go back home. You know, so it was... Uh, pretty intense you know but uh if when you know talking about it now because i don't think that every day but uh talking about the opening it's great to see that uh, uh when you think something when you deliver a message when people is against or when things are against you people are not thinking it's, it's going to be uh, manageable and uh, you make something and it becomes something wow you know and that is so uh, positive and uh, and exciting at the end of the day because you you know what you have 
past to make it possible with which person you, you, you found that way and, and you never copy someone else, you know, so that this is why also it's very interesting because uh, the, our story to have a business partner still now the same uh, is like a wedding in a way, you know, you need to trust uh, because uh, this, this business is not just, uh, it, you have three jobs in this business, you know, you, you, if you are a chef, you can't be front of house, you can't just also do with suppliers to do the maths at the back, you know, it's so complex and complete that uh, you need to delegate, you can't do things on your own, all of it. If you want to do it, you're going to the sink, you're going to die because there's no way if you want to do things properly that you are going to survive this business. You know, you, so you need to be in trust with some very few people to be able to achieve uh, consistency over the years. So that's the story of progress co-energy and the concept. <laughs> but on top of it, you run in so many other restaurants. What are the challenges of managing so many establishments? It must, it must be huge. Uh, yes and no, because what we do, uh, we are not doing the same, the same restaurants. So Club Gascon is unique and we have next to the restaurant on the same building on the second angle, we've got the bar. So the bar is like a wine bar, it used to be a wine bar. Now it's more like a cocktail lounge bar with, uh, with a small plate again, but I call them in that section the frappas. So it's the French tapas. So the frappas, I love the word because everybody understand it. And it was very, you know, to translate small plate, petit plat, it's very, um, it's not sexy. It's not it's like, you know, like. Not you, original. You want a one word, you know, you want to make Unique. it on one word. And actually frappas, boom, it, it, it makes like the medze, medze, okay, you know what it is. So I want to develop the frappas, you know. Um, so you've got this, uh, this uh, frappas style and also, um, we have Comptoir Gascon, which is the deli and the bistro. And, and this is much more related to the uh, terroir, Gascony. You got the classics, you know, so you got the uh, aligo, cassoulet, confit, uh, foie gratérine, <coughs> uh, prunes and armagnac. So things which, uh, which are the squid with the, the Basque flavor. So you've got this kind of uh, range, even the duck burger, uh, you know, the classics from Gascony with a twist. So that's these three places talking about Gascony are around the meat market. Uh, we've got also, uh, so my time spread during the day between Comptoir and Club. Um, the rest of the company, Sigalon, uh, for example, which, are, which is our Provençal restaurant and the Baranis below, which is a pétanque bar, pastis and uh, talking about Saint-Tropez <laughs> um, this is much more, it's in charge, it's Julien, Julien Carlon, which is uh, worked for us since 15 years and is from Marseille, so he's more in charge of the place, so we have created the restaurant for him, uh, so he's more, he's, he's got the freedom to do the menu because he's, he's, he delivers his message from his part of France, you know, so that's very authentic, authentic, genuine. Um, and we have also, we, 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 made, we made Corsica in, included inside the, the style of the cuisine there. And we have also a fish and chip company called uh, Catch Me, uh, which is in a shopping mall, uh, as you know, in the States as well, it's called Westfield. And that Westfield mm -hmm. in Shippers Bush is the uh, largest in Europe, uh, was the first in Europe, uh, which uh, opened in 2008. And we were in the food court, so we are still in the food court. We changed the name because you know when you we have to re update the lease you need to update also the offer 
Um, so now the new name, which is from this year or from last year, actually, is called Catch Me. Uh, because a catch, as you know, it's a catch of fish. And uh, so that's what we have. We have also um, a sleeping place, a sleeping uh, company called uh, Duck and Roll, which is a street food uh, company talking about duck, but um, so delivered on street food. Um, so it's different type of menu, which we are doing. To, it's the French duck, but with recipes from the world. So it's more open to a, a, a broader audience, younger, uh, but using the, the different parts of the duck. So that's, that's why it's called like duck and roll because the, ducks, <laughs> the duck rocks you. That's the One of the favorite dishes that you created, which I think is absolutely genius, is bonbon foie gras. <laughs> <laughs> How did you come up with this? But I, I mean, because I think, I think you did amazing. it. You did it. <laughs> and I did it. And I did it for clients and I had people who wrote me messages and they said, oh my goodness, this is absolutely genius. How did you come up with this? <laughs> I don't know. Actually, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. You know, recipe of foie gras, I have done uh, hundreds. Uh, so it's very, it's very uh, difficult for me to remember uh, where, you know, on recipe, when you do, when you make so many, that how it came properly. Uh, there is one which which mm -hmm. I uh, totally remember because it was it's maybe the most creative one which I have done. It's uh, it has been designed for the Queen's Jubilee in 2012, mm -hmm. and uh, it's called Marmite Royale. So the Marmite Royale, it's um, you know what is the uh, Marmite in UK? It's one of the uh, star of the UK um, product. And it's also the, uh, as a subtitle, it's called also the love and hate. You love it or you hate it. And actually for, for French or for the others, it could be also the love and hate. So actually what I've done, I used a little pot of, uh, the baby pot of Marmite, emptied it and uh, did a flan, cook a flan of foie gras, like a creme brulee inside the pot of the Marmite and reuse the Marmite twisted to make it, I would say, more manageable for the French palate, because it's a bit uh, too salty and too yeasty for my uh, taste, originally. <laughs> and, uh, and actually, I, it's covered, so when it's cooked, it's covered with that sauce, and the cup is back, and I serve it with soldiers. And actually, this dish won the best dish of London, because there is a very high message behind. You, you, I joined two countries, with this, this kind of love and hate in the pot. And, uh, and I do think this is uh, uh, maybe my, uh, funnily enough, my best creation. And I'm, I'm proud of this dish because actually as a Londoner, because I live in London so I, I, and I'm a British citizen now since uh, two years. Uh, so I feel, a, I feel a Londoner with this kind of uh, French way, obviously. And combining these two elements to, in London, I think it's a, a good representation of who I am and what we <laughs> deliver in, in, uh, in this country. <laughs> what I love about uh, bonbons with foie gras is usually, you know, whenever something is hidden, it's almost like uh, when it's a tortellini or you don't know what's inside. So you don't think it's going to be foie gras inside and it's also so delicate that once you bite in, it's just so rich and delicious. I 
think it's absolutely genius. But you know what? You can do it again, again, and again. You I know, I have so much menu, more now. You know, and you even can pretend it's yours. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, do you think, um, I mean, you were one of the pioneers that changed London scene in the last two decades because back then London was less than exciting with food. Um, it, must, it must be really interesting to, uh, to see how London's food scene evolved since you arrived in the last two decades. Yeah. When we arrived in London, you had um, the operators, which were the, uh, the, the, even Gordon Ramsay was not on the map when I arrived in London. He was, uh, <laughs> he was working at uh, um, the uh, L'Oranger with uh, Marcus Varenk um, mm -hmm. in 97. And, um, and Pierre Kaufman was still uh, on the end of, uh, he was trying to sell his restaurant, which he did uh, two years later. But uh, the big operator were Marco Ladonis, Jean-Christophe Novelli, uh, the big group of Terence Conran. So you had like big restaurants, like a more brasserie style, the Conran uh, group. Um, you had also Peter Gordon with the Sugar Club. And you had also a restaurant in Notting Hill called Pharmacy, uh, designed by Damien Hurst. Um, that was, and also the, the launch of Wagamama um, as a noodle, noodle place. So London was very eclectic, but obviously nothing to compare to, like now. Um, when you see this, the evolution 20, two, you know, two decades after, it's, it's a different city in terms of food scene. Um, became a culinary destination. It went from world avoidance to culinary destination for many yeah, exactly, critics. Exactly, you know, because of course London is quite rich even with um, all this uh, problem we encounter over the years, um, the, uh, the, you, you, there was such a lack of restaurant that, and London is so vast that every village of London uh, needed to have some restaurant. Okay, now we could say there are maybe too many restaurants and obviously the COVID will make also the life of uh, this, some restaurant on the, on the bad on the bad way for the future uh, because we need to regulate and um, and it's not it's not great but um, and 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 you know I'm, I'm I'm part of it because we are all of us in danger zone we don't know what will be the future as as we talk now everything is on the evolution so it's very we are in June uh, but we have this week. We are going to have some announcements with the government. We don't know what's going to happen in July or August at this stage. So to get a vision of the future is very difficult. To uh, to have seen the, from the past, in uh, in two decades, uh, an, an amount of restaurants worldwide moved to London with uh, uh, amazing chefs, and also the British scene, the British culture, the young generation as are taking part. So we are not just foreigners. Uh, actually, we don't have so many French restaurants uh, independent like myself. Uh, with a, you, know, uh, you have a lot of chefs which are not specially, they don't really own their restaurant because you know, the rent is very expensive. Uh, the investment is massive. So you need some backers, you need some sleeping partner. Um, and obviously the market is very um, difficult because rent are increasing massively. I'm sure in New York is the same. 
um, but um, but London is very very expensive to maintain you know the standard of a restaurant and also the competition is very intense as well so you are very, you can be very fast outdated you know um, to survive and to get consistency you need to rethink yourself all the time if you stay on your laurels you're you're over easily in London you know. Um, whether you think that takeouts would be sufficient to help some restaurants stay afloat. What do you think about that? Is takeout the new, the, the new future for some of the restaurants? Oof, the, the future, it's, um, it's, very, it's very challenging for me to say something about the future of restaurants in London or anywhere in the world. Uh, we are all in a in a kind of danger zone because i have launched a month ago the takeaway for my bistro mm -hmm. like a lot of restaurants now are doing it um of course we are not making a fortune from it uh the staff is on furlough um we we've got good landlords so we are now we have postponed our lease uh so we are not paying at the moment which is good except for Westfield. Westfield as a shopping mall, they don't really, we are numbers, so they don't really care. Um, so we need to reopen Westfield, the, our fish and chip, very, very fast. Catch me. Today, actually, is the reopening of the shop. So Westfield is reopening all the shops, not the food, but the shops. So it means that they will bring now population into the, the shopping mall. So I'm sure we are going to have the next step. This is going to reopen in a way. Um, you have seen the news in London, Ledbury um, is technically not reopening. Yeah. Uh, yesterday was Caprice. Caprice, it's an institution in London, uh, 38 years old restaurant uh, near next to the Ritz, behind the Ritz in London. Uh, Caprice mm -hmm. is like Scott or is like uh, the Ivy. It's the uh, uh, a very, very famous restaurant for uh, rich and celeb. Now, now not working, opening anymore. That was yesterday. News. Heartbreaking. Yeah. Uh, so, you see, you got um, um, some Michelin star like Texture is uh, closing down. Closing? Oh, so no. You, you, oh. There, are, there are a danger zone from the Michelin star to brasserie to uh, famous places. No one is exempt. Uh, you just and, don't and, know. Uh, and I think it's first is linked to the rent where you are located in London. Um, how much you, yeah, how much you spend, you know, per, in a sleeping month where you have no taking. Um, so that that is a uh, very hard. Now, in our side, we have a little future, a little hope, I will say, because where we have Club Gascon, behind there is a church, the oldest church in town, and behind the church there is a garden. And this garden, I am in charge of the garden, not only me, but I am part of this. Uh, uh, responsibility and I, I am also a beekeeper. So on this garden, there are there are I, I grow some edible flowers, plants, and uh, and some a bit of vegetable for the restaurant. And also there is uh, the first part, which uh, we we just had the agreements with the Church uh, of England to be able to organize a, a, a garden club, a terrace. So um, we believe that in July when restaurants should reopen because hopefully from the 4th of July normally restaurants, some restaurants may reopen in London or in UK. So if you have a terrace, an outside space, you are, lucky. you are much more uh, 
into the possibility to be on this opening time. So with this terrace, obviously, it's going to be a new, new thing for me because uh, uh, I need to organize a, a menu, a daytime menu, which is not Club Gascon. It will be something different, you know, using the garden and using the barbecue. Mm -hmm. So it will be like a barbecue style, but with a bit of floral act. So it will be quite masculine <laughs> and feminine at the same time, which I'm, I like the idea. Um, and it will be a lunch time every day uh, if the weather is keen. Um, and it will be from 12 till 6 or 7 p.m. So it will be a lunch and after the afternoon and happy at hour home. time with snacks, you know, like frappas time. Um, and, um, and it's such a beautiful view. It's absolutely outstanding absolutely, by the church. Yeah, it's yeah. magical. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's very atmospheric and it will be a unique uh, um, setup in, a, in the city of London because the city of London has decided to get rid of all terrace, all outside space at the moment, you know. So because we are in the church or in the garden of the church, we are not, we are protected. No? Mm -hmm. So I think this is going to be uh, a good, you know, for us to be able to manage this. So I'm quite excited for this new operation. And if it's a success and if, if we survive this uh, lockdown or the post lockdown and, uh, and next, for next year, we, and if we prove this is a success, we are going to use for a full season that terrace again, you know, because it's going to be something very additional for the area. So for you as well. For the I rest of the business in London, I don't know what to say. Uh, I think it's, it's going to be very individual, uh, how to process, how to... Um, Move on. Yeah. And adjust. Adjust to the situation because not all restaurants are able to do takeaway. Uh, you know, if you are a two Michelin star restaurant, it's very difficult to provide a takeaway food at the level of a two star. And, um, and, I, and I don't believe that customers are keen to go to a very high-end restaurant where you have all this kind of uh, plastic and sanitize and, uh, and uh, a sommelier uh, bring you, uh, you know, explanation with uh, protected. It's possible, but I'm not sure customers will, will have the envy to spend that money. You know? So this is, we need to consider all of these things because at the moment we reopen, we are not in furlough anymore and we have full charge, you know. Uh, so there is a danger zone because at this stage, from what I heard in the city of London, uh, most of the bankers, they are not going back to the offices until uh, next year. So is, if the city, which is the, the, the most important uh, generation of money for London, if they are staying or working from, uh, from home on their computer, and not physically commuting and back to their offices, we are in trouble, right? all restaurants, from Pret-à-Manger to uh, high-end, because numbers will not be there, you see? And, uh, and of course, staff are on danger zone as well, because if we are in danger, we, if we are not able to pay the rent anymore, we need to close down. So, I keep my prayers for you, and I hope... Uh, the church and uh, it will evolve where uh, it will be a different uh, maybe concept but uh, exactly and then I will be the first one as soon as UK will allow American citizens <laughs> from New York <laughs> enter your holy land <laughs> um, Chef Pascal it was so wonderful to be breaking bread with you I Thank really you. hope we can uh, have a glass of Armagnac very soon 
when we can look back and uh, uh, think of this pandemic uh, in the past. And I just pray for the chefs and all the people in the restaurant industry to to just stay strong and be positive. Um, Sounds good to me. Sounds good sounds to me. Good. A little and drink, salute. not anyone. <laughs> salute and sante. Thank you so Merci much. Merci A bientôt. See you in A Europe in the States. <laughs> ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. Bye. Bye. Bye.